We don't know what anyone necessarily walked in here with today because a lot of times people walk in with all sorts of baggage, all sorts of challenges, things that they've been going through, and we just don't always know what the person may be sitting next to us or in the row in front of us or behind us is necessarily going through. You know, maybe someone is walking in here today with a lot of guilt, with a lot of shame, maybe from some decisions they made and things that they've done or involved in. Maybe someone is walking through a divorce and we don't even necessarily know it. Someone, this may be their last option. Maybe I'll give this a try. Maybe I'll give this a shot. Maybe another person came in here hoping that this church would be different, that there would be something different. They were looking for hope or they were looking for something that maybe they hadn't found somewhere else and they're walking through woundedness. Maybe someone, they're walking in here and they just got a bad diagnosis yesterday or they got a bad phone call or an email and it really is something that they're struggling with dealing with and they're thinking about it maybe even right now. Maybe someone is walking through job job loss right now or financial pressures, whatever the case may be, we just don't know. But as we end this series called Sunday Lunch today, I want us to, as a church, adopt a new policy, all right? And I want you to join in this new policy so that we can all share in this because we don't know what someone else may have walked in here with, with what questions, what doubts, what challenges they walked in here with. And because of that, here's the new policy I would like for you to agree to adopt as a church family. We're going to call it this, a no strangers policy, all right? I want everyone who comes through our doors here at BCC, who comes to an event, who comes and joins a group or a hangout, someone who comes and worships with us on a Sunday morning, I want everyone to feel loved and valued. I want them to know that it's real. I want them to know that we see you. We may not be able to sit down and get involved with all the nuances of your life, and we're not necessarily asking for all the details of your story upon meeting you. So if it's your first time here, don't freak out and be like, oh boy, (laughs) you know. It's not that. It's, It's this idea that everyone is seen. Everyone is known by someone and as our church grows and and God has blessed our church with a lot of growth and things like that and so there's a lot more people who are attending BCC and sometimes we can get lost in the shuffle and people get afraid and what they want to do oftentimes is they want to just retreat to the familiar. I'm just going to stay with the people I know because I don't know all these other people. There's so many new people I may not know everyone and I'm going to give you uh, uh, some help here this morning. You don't have to know everyone. Okay, it's great. We can love each other really well as a church without having to know every single person. But here's what is important, is that everyone is seen and known by someone. First and foremost, we're known and seen by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? But I want to make sure that people in here know that we, who are representatives of Jesus Christ, that when we say we love people, when we want to love people like God loves people, that we see them right where they're at, no matter what they're, make, what they're going through, because we don't know. We don't know what they walked in here with, but we need to let them know that we see them, we value them. One of the things that is one of my favorite pieces to teach in our class called The Next Steps, when I teach it, I teach the class that's called Who We Are. And my favorite illustration, I didn't come up with this illustration, I don't know who did, so I can't give them credit, but it wasn't me. Uh, it's just a great illustration to help us understand what our value is. I tell people this. I say that you can look at church really one of two ways. 
And if you would imagine the concept of sitting down and eating at a table, eating lunch on Sunday, having Sunday lunch, you can really do it in two different environments. And even though you're doing the exact same thing in both of those environments, your mentality and your expectations are completely different depending on the environment alone. Think about this with me. You can sit at your family table at home, and you can sit at a restaurant table. Your expectations are completely different in both of those environments. And the funny thing is you're doing the exact same thing in both environments, but your mentality is very different. People look at church this way. At the restaurant table, I'm looking to be served. I'm looking for my way right away. They better not get my order wrong. This is too hot. This is too cold. I didn't order onions on that. Or where's my drink refill? Of course I want a refill. Haven't you seen we've been sitting here for 30 minutes without any beverages and we're eating the spiciest thing on the menu, you know? We have these experiences and when we don't get our way and when we're upset because things didn't meet our expectations in the restaurant, we abandon the restaurant. You know, we want to punish the restaurant, punish the wait staff even sometimes. And it may not even have been necessarily their fault why we had a bad experience. And we're like, well, they're not getting a tip. And really, you're punishing <laughs> another person who didn't really have that much to do with your bad experience. Or we'll say things like, well, we're never going back there again. And what we're saying is our expectations didn't get met. Try that at your house. Because let me ask you this, have you ever had a meal at home that didn't go your way? When my dad first started grilling, he wanted, he had these dreams and visions and he watched a lot of cooking shows and he thought that's all I have to do to become this grill master. He had a vision. He bought all of this stuff. This man had never grilled. He didn't know anything about grilling. I'll tell you what, I have probably had salmonella poisoning so many times. I know God is a miracle working God because I'm still here. I have eaten undercooked chicken, overcooked chicken, undercooked everything, overcooked everything. And dad would say things like, those juice, that's not blood, that's good. You can eat that. And dad, this, this thing is still moving, it's twitching, you know. And then there were times where it was like jerky, you know. And I didn't go, you know what? I'm done with this family. <laughs> I'm done with this family. I'm leaving this family because you can't even cook a chicken, you know. I'm going to a family that can cook a chicken. The other thing, the other thing is that I didn't look at my mom and say, Mom, ding, 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 Mom, uh, refill. That's not how things worked in my house. As a matter of fact, my sister and I, I have a younger sister, and uh, we always had responsibilities when it came to the family meal. We would help set the table, or we would help clear the table, do the dishes. Uh, as we got older, we could even help prepare and cook some of the things as our parents would, uh, you know, let us be involved. It was different. And the funny thing is, you guys, is that at the restaurant and at the family table, ultimately we're eating, and we're really doing the same thing. We could even have the same kind of food. We could have a hamburger at a restaurant. We could have hamburgers at home. But my mentality, my heart is completely different because at the family table, yes, there's food there, but I'm gathering around the table for more than food. 
When I go to the restaurant, I'm just going there for food. All I want to do is just simply be a consumer. I just am going there for food. That's all I want. I want to have a good experience. I want to have the food, and I want to leave, and I want it to be up to my standards and expectations. But my mentality at home is not necessarily the same. I have deeper commitments. You're actually going to have deeper conversations around the family table than you will at the restaurant table. And it's all in perspective. It's all in the positioning of our heart and the mentality. So what I tell people in the Next Steps class is that BCC strives to be the family table where we gather around the table for more than just food. We gather around the table for more than just us being served. Will we get things from the family table? Yes, we will get things. We will share things. We will receive things, but we'll also give things. And there's this exchange there and this heart and this mentality that's much deeper. We don't quickly abandon the family table just because things didn't necessarily go our way. There's a deeper commitment there to that local group of people. And I want people who come in through our doors or who connect to this local body of believers, however they connect, even if it's through a group or a hangout or through a Sunday large gathering or through a student ministry service or through something happening over a kids ministry or an outreach, whatever it may be. If they experience the people of God from this local body, I want them to know that we love them and we care about them because we don't know what anyone is necessarily walking through. Amen, church? And so the policy then is a no strangers policy. And so here's the commitment that we have to make if we adopt this no strangers policy. We have to continually move past our comfort zone. Oh, boy. We have to continually move past what's comfortable, and we have to continually be stretching and growing. Oh, I just want to get comfortable. Well, maybe this isn't the church for you if you're looking just to sit back and get comfortable. Because this isn't about getting comfortable. It's about us stretching and growing and God growing and working in us and through us so we grow to be better reflections of what he's doing in us, and it's reflected by the way we treat other people. That's what Jesus said in John 13, 34, 35. He said, by this, all men will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another, right? And we want to be for all people. And so BCC, we say we're for these cities. And yes, that's true. But BCC is for these cities and BCC is for all people. Let's go over to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. This is a really cool story of an interaction Jesus had with a very unpopular character in the society that they lived in. Luke chapter 19 and verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. He's just passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now let's stop right there so we can understand who Zacchaeus was. So Zacchaeus is an employee who works for the Roman government. The Romans are occupying Jerusalem and occupying Israel. And they've got checkpoints and armies set up everywhere. And they have taken over Israel through military conquest. And now they're occupying this land that doesn't belong to them. And these people are doing it by military force. And what they're doing is they're forcing those that are native to the land, they're forcing those Israelites to pay taxes 
to the Roman government who's occupying them. They're still letting them do their jobs, still letting them buy, sell, and trade, all that stuff, run the local economy, but they have to pay taxes. And so instead of them hiring Roman tax collectors, they hired Jewish tax collectors from their own people. So these people are operating in a way where they're kind of like betraying their own people by collecting taxes on behalf of the Romans. And here's how the chief tax collector, Zacchaeus, would get paid. He could charge whatever additional taxes he wished on top of what the Romans required that, they, that he would pass along to them. And this is how Zacchaeus would line his own pockets. Because, say, the Roman tax rate would be 10%. Zacchaeus could charge 15. He takes the five for himself and puts it in his pocket. And this is what Zacchaeus was doing. So he was not really popular, right? He's the chief tax collector, and he is collecting taxes against his own people through the vehicle of the occupying Roman government. Not a popular guy. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. So the fact that this man was rich lets us know that he was not oppressed by the Romans, but rather he was using this opportunity and this loophole to take advantage of his fellow countrymen. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he's a little guy. If you grew up in church, there's a cute little song you're thinking about right now. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Yep, we're not going to sing it. Nope, nope, no. Stop. <clears throat> Some of you are being rebellious right now. <clears throat> Verse 4. <laughs> So he ran on ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. So home skillet has to climb up in a tree just to see Jesus. He's like, I want to see Jesus, but I can't. And so he's climbing up in this tree, and when Jesus came to that place where Zacchaeus was, he looked up, he sees Zacchaeus, and he calls him out by name. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I wonder if Zacchaeus didn't even like want to be seen. Maybe he wasn't only hiding in that tree because he couldn't see, but maybe because, oh, I don't want to, you know, get yelled at by someone who's mad at me because I had to repossess their home or their animal or, you know, I, I, I did something terrible to them. And he's hiding in this tree and Jesus calls him out. Man, I don't want to be called out by Jesus in that way, right? Don't expose me, Jesus. I'm up here. I'm just fine. I can see you from here. I just wanted to see what all the fuss was about. And Jesus points this man out, says, come down, because I'm going to your house. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I see you. I see you, and I'm going to give you value because I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus, he hurries down, he comes down, and he receives Jesus joyfully. And when all the people saw it, they went, yay, this is great. Zacchaeus and Jesus are going to hang out. Um, nope. The Bible says they all grumbled. People grumbled, hmm, he's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And this is what people said. They immediately went critical. They said, Zacchaeus is a sinner, and Jesus is going into his house? Remember last week when I talked to you about this Jewish idea and concept of passing down this idea of being impure and the defilement and how you would touch things and, and be associated with, it, with things and be impure. 
You see, by Jesus associating with this man, according to their way of looking at things, traditionally, Jesus was going into an impure, an impure man's home, thus in their eyes would have made him impure. Why would Jesus want to be around impure people? Because we don't want their impurities passed along. How is Jesus doing this? It didn't make sense. We want to avoid those sinners and those people we consider impure because if we do that, oh my goodness, we might catch those impure cooties, right? And Jesus went into his house and this is why they were grumbling and saying he went into the house of a man who was a sinner. Verse eight, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Something happened in this interaction. We don't know. Fast forward, Jesus said, I'm going to your house. Next thing you know, Zacchaeus has a complete heart change. And then he, he shows that he knows the law and that God has changed his heart because when you've defrauded someone, you're supposed to pay it back two times what you pay back. He says, I'm going to double that. I'm going to pay it back four times what I've defrauded people. And he's showing I'm going above and beyond even the requirements of the law because it truly has changed my heart. And that's what a changed heart will do. It doesn't just want to barely meet the requirements. It wants to go above and beyond because I'm changed. I'm different. And that was a way for him to acknowledge that I am different. I've been changed by whatever happened with him and with Jesus. And when we say that BCC is for these cities and when we say BCC is for all people, we mean people like Zacchaeus, people that we don't like, people that maybe aren't well thought of. We think of people who maybe have defrauded other people. And this is exactly who Jesus went and spent time with. And there was change that happened because of the way he saw him, the way he loved him. You see, being for all people doesn't mean that we're for what every person chooses to do. But that we are for their humanity. That we are for serving them with the love of God by seeing them and treating them as people that God loves. Amen, church? And looking past those things, because when Jesus went into Zacchaeus' home, he wasn't thinking, oh man, I'm going around this tax collector. He was saying, no, I'm, I'm spending time with someone that was created in the image of God that I love, and I want them to experience that love and that truth. And so whatever truth perhaps Jesus shared, however long or short that interaction was with the details that we don't have, or whatever happened in that man in that moment, it was because of that powerful supernatural love that Jesus has in engaging this guy that no one else wanted anything to do with. You see, it is the love of God that changes the heart of man. This is what we've been talking about through this entire series. This is why I want us to prioritize seeing people and loving people right where they're at. This is why this concept of Sunday lunch has just been this idea over these past six weeks where we want to challenge our church to get connected so that we can adopt this no strangers policy where people are seen by those who are carrying this responsibility of being a representative of Christ in the earth and to these cities because we don't know what someone's going through or what they're dealing with. And it doesn't matter because God knows and it's our responsibility to love them in the way that Jesus would be honored and glorified. Amen, church? Because every one of us have issues, right? Don't let your elbows get too active. 
You got issues. You got issues. We all have issues. I've got issues, man. I mean, some of you are like, yeah, we know. (laughs) But right now, one of the issues that I'm walking through is dealing with estranged family member issues, man. That's tough. Some of you may be walking through the same thing because people in my family have chosen addiction over relationship, and it's hard. It's hard when people do that because you don't know what the right thing to always do in that situation. Like, what are the healthy boundaries? What are the right things to do? You're trying to navigate the situation with love. You're trying to navigate it with love and truth, but you're, you, you don't want to just allow people just to abuse and misuse you either. And you're like, what's the balance here? And it's hard. And, and there's no formula to always just get it right. And I'm sure I've gotten it wrong plenty in this situation in particular. But I'm trying to get it right more than I get it wrong. And I don't have all of the solutions. But what I do know is that my responsibility is to continue to be that light. Whatever that may mean in that moment, in that relationship. To keep treating people who may hurt me, who may disappoint me, who may cause me pain. That I never stop seeing the humanity of those people who disappoint me, who hurt me, who cause me pain. Because Jesus died for them. Amen? And Jesus died for me. And there's not good and bad. And there's not all of this idea of of, of these people are are worse than these people. And that's how God looks at it. No, remember, God looks at it as safe people and lost people. And I try to look at it that way too. And it's hard when you're in the thick of it, right? You're like, Pastor, that's easy to say. Well, I'm walking through it too, you guys. I'm walking through some of those things some of you are walking through. People have come up to me and shared things with me that's very similar to stuff I'm walking through. Even worse, that I'm like, man, wow. Because just when you think your situation is super heavy, you hear someone else's story and you're like, oh my gosh, like, what on earth? Like, that's devastating. People are walking through all kinds of stuff. And we're all sitting in this room or, or we're watching online. And we all have these things that are happening either to us or around us. And it's either a result of things we've done or things that people have done to us or things that are happening that are beyond our control. Either way, the stuff's going on. And, 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 and the same answer for all of us is this idea of this community of believers that are loving Jesus and loving each other with that love of God because as we see each other, as we love each other, like Jesus saw Zacchaeus in that moment, it changes things. It begins, something begins to move in motion. But I don't want anyone to feel like they have to isolate in their challenges because that's a trick of the enemy man the trap of the enemy is to get you to isolate and here's what the enemy wants you to think that you're like the worst one and no one would get it or your situation is worse than everyone else's and no one would understand it and if he can get you to believe that you're in a spot that no one else would get no one else would understand and so you never want to connect and trust Maybe you've been hurt before, you've been disappointed before. If that's you, then the enemy, he's whispering all this stuff in your ears because you're so afraid of maybe what people will think. Maybe you're so afraid of, you know, being looked at differently, whatever the case may be, and you'll isolate. And the enemy goes, yeah, if I can get them just to isolate. Or the enemy gets you to think, oh, you, you can just handle all this stuff on your own. You can just deal with all this hurt, guilt, shame difficulty alone oh yeah you you can you can handle it alone so you start trusting in yourself 
Because by all means, I, I, I wouldn't want someone to engage and interact with me. And I believe that the love of God changes the heart of man. And I think God uses people. Yeah, God can do a miracle without another person ever being involved other than him. Yeah, of course. But I believe that God uses the body of Christ in a significant way. To where when we connect and when we have authentic, healthy relationship, we can sharpen each other, encourage one another, hold each other accountable. Mm, we don't like that one. We like the encouragement one, right? <laughs> but not the accountable one. Because sometimes when someone holds us accountable, people say things to us we don't like. And we may not always react in a healthy way because they're telling me things that I don't like and things I don't want to hear. But if it's said in love, it's meant to help, not hurt. Amen? Amen. Oh, man. I want us to get this, church. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Let's start reading in verse 16, all right? From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once walked according to the flesh and regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of of God. This is an extremely powerful passage of scripture for us to take hold of because there's so much in there. There's this idea, first and foremost, that we just read about of being a new creation in Christ. That as we're walking with Christ, that from now on, we're not regarding anyone according to the flesh. So it's not about my fleshly past. It's not about who I've been, but it's who God now sees me as and who I need to be. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be consequences that I have to deal with. You know, I want to be forgiven from not paying my taxes, so I don't have to pay them. I'm new in Christ. That's not how that works. You will still go to jail. And so there's still consequences for our actions in this world. It's just the way that it works. But the way we view another person, the way we treat them, is we treat them as someone who is in Christ. We're more focused in prioritizing where we're going and where God is leading them and not necessarily all of the things that they've done and where they've been. That's the way we want God to treat us, amen? And so that gives us hope for even the worst Thing that you could think of that someone has done that there's still hope for them in Christ and we need to see their humanity and we need to see people 
as the way God sees them, and he sees us through the blood of Jesus. He sees us through the blood of Jesus. You see, when we read in the book of Revelation, it talks about all of the martyrs who overcame the adversary, the accuser of the brethren. And the book of Revelation says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. What was their testimony in? Their testimony was in Jesus. Their testimony was in what Christ has done, not what I have done because the old has been gone and now I am new. I am made new spiritually. I am alive in Christ and positionally I am justified not because of what I've done but rather in spite of what I've done. And now all the good that's in me is not from me or of me but it's from Christ and it is Christ in me the hope of glory. The old has passed away. The new has come. We all love this message of hope until it comes time to interact with someone who's dealing with something difficult. And then we're challenged. And I have to put on that mind of Christ. And I have to love them through the love of Christ that I was loved with. And we have to love people, even those who offend us, even those who have wronged us in a way that's going to honor and glorify God. And we want to help other people who may be struggling and love them where they're at as well. And so I want us to get this because the intent of this entire series has been to get people to connect with each other and, and make a, a larger church seem smaller. So when people come to BCC for the first time, when they connect with us for the very first time, that they never feel like a stranger from that point on. That the first time that they walk through the doors and gather with us is the last time that they're ever a stranger. And not that everybody's got to be somebody's best friend. Don't make this creepy, please. <laughs> That's not what I'm asking. That's not what I'm implying. Because if you get up in somebody's face, you're like, hi, hi, how are you? Hey, hey, I'm an ambassador for Christ. You know, like, right? But that I see you. I care about you. And it can go beyond hi, hello. It can go even a little further to, hey, what's your name? My name is. And then you would say your name. Because that's how that works, just in case you don't know. <laughs> and I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, I, I, I remember, I learned this as a youth pastor. Um, back in the early days of ministry, when I first was getting started, I learned that the, fav the favorite thing of all teenagers was to hear their name. They really, really loved their name. And so I would spend time memorizing the name of students who came to my youth group on a Wednesday night so that the next time that I would see them, if they came back, that I would call them by name and it always freaked them out every time because they thought that I, I didn't know who they were. You know, I met them, I learned their name and I was like, okay, that, that kid's name is, you know, Jennifer, that kid's name is, you know, Alex or whatever. And I would remember that when they come back and I go, hey, Alex, what's up, man? Go, you, you remember my name? And this freaks people out when you do that. And it made them feel seen. It made them feel loved. It made them feel like, oh my gosh, somebody cares about me. And as our youth group began to grow that I couldn't do it all at that point, and so I had all the leaders. I said, hey, guys, help me memorize names. Let's all just make that a priority. So that way, if I miss it, at least one of you guys go up and you say this name to this kid. And guess what? That doesn't stop when you're a teenager. <laughs> Adults love to hear their names, too. They love to know, oh, you see me, you care about me, and you know who I am. And you can connect with them. And man, what if you just made it your aim today, your goal today, that before you left, that you learned one person's name you didn't know before. 
What if everybody in this room did that? And then you committed that to memory. Just one person. I'm not asking you to do five or ten or anything weird. What's that person saying? I'm going to pray for them all week. I'm going, to, I'm going to remember that name. And when I see them again, what if you engaged them and called them out by name? You didn't just say, hey, buddy, how are you doing? Or, hey, guy, you know. What if you called their name? Hey, John, you know, hey, so-and-so. When you say their name, man, it just, it, there's something there. There's a connection, and God can use that because you don't know what they walked in here carrying. You don't know what happened to them moments before they got out of the car. Maybe they even had second thoughts about even getting out of the car and just turning around and going back to their vice or to their situation or running away from something or running towards something they shouldn't. What if they pull up in the parking lot and they, 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 they take that courageous step to get out and say, no, I'm, I'm going to come because I believe God's going to do something. And you meet them and you connect with them and you say hello and you say their name. They may feel like no one else saw them, but God used you in a special way, and you didn't even know how impactful that was because you're just prioritizing love. That's all you're doing. You're just prioritizing loving people. You're, you're, you're prioritizing just seeing them like Jesus sees them and loving people right where they're at. Man, if we adopt this no strangers policy, we understand better what Paul was saying. He said, don't you know you're ambassadors for Christ? Don't you know you're ambassadors for Christ? Jesus didn't say, hey, guy up in tree. Man in a tree. Get down from that tree, man in a tree. <laughs> Jesus said, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is going, oh, <laughs> maybe if I'm really still, you won't be able to see me, right? <laughs> no, man, I see you up there. Come down from there. I'm going to hang out at your house today. We're going to have lunch. We're going to have Sunday lunch today. We're going to hang out. We're going to connect. And look at what happened in that interaction. This man's life was changed. You see, we are ambassadors, Paul said. Ambassadors for Christ. It's like God is making his plea through us as vessels. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled because we're new creations. Don't you know he who knew no sin became sin for us so we could now be in right standing in the eyes of a holy and perfect God? Don't you know the power that this message of the gospel has to change your eternity, your, 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 your present, your, your relationships, your situation? Don't you see the power of the love of God, the power of this message of hope that comes from the gospel? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died in your stead. He took the punishment you deserve. Don't you see what that love does to a heart and how it changes someone who was taking advantage of people the day before and probably not even feeling bad about it, enjoying all of his luxury? And then all of a sudden now there's been a transformation. You see, you and I are ambassadors of that message. We're ambassadors of Christ relationships are our priority. That's what we say here at BCC. It's one of our core values. The reason we say that is because those connections create these opportunities for us to engage in discipleship. Because discipleship happens best in the context of relationships. It happens best when we can begin to trust each other, where we can begin to lower our halves of the drawbridge to connect so we can become that church that's loving each other well, that when people see us, they see this idea 
of Jesus being at the center of everything that we do because they see that there's evidence that Christ is present because Jesus said the calling card is going to be in this way that you love, this radical kind of transformational love that's different than just being nice. There's something different, and it causes us to grow. Here's our big idea for today. A representative of Christ denies themselves for the benefit of someone else. This is what we have to do. Remember what I said, it's a, it's a stretching, right? I mean, it's uncomfortable because it's easier if we just look at ourselves as consumers sitting at the restaurant table. That's easier because I have very little buy-in. I have very little engagement. I have very little responsibility. I mean, really, my responsibility at the end of the day is just to pay the check. You know, I don't even have to eat the food like the food. Well, maybe next week's food will be better. That's what people think. I didn't like the presentation. I didn't, the chair wasn't comfortable. Uh, it could have been hotter, colder, whatever. You know, the food was this. It was mid. I've had this food before. And we could criticize that, break it down. And if we look at ourselves as consumers, we're not, we're not thinking about the rest of the people in the restaurant. We're just thinking about ourselves. We're just thinking about our experience. We're thinking about maybe the people around our table. We're not thinking about the other tables. But man, at the family table, we're thinking about everybody at the family table. You ever do the crazy, like, big, huge Thanksgiving thing where you have to, like, bring out extra tables? Like, you get those folding tables that stay in the garage or in the basement. You bring them all out because you got to make room. You want to keep bringing out tables and making room so more people in the family can gather around that same table because the goal is to get everybody together except the kids because the kids have their own table over here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But you, you all gather together, man, at, at, at these family celebrations, and you want to make room. You wouldn't dare want to just have people all spread out. And no, we want to be together because there's something different. But the funny thing is, man, we're doing the same thing, and we are forever family if we belong to Jesus. Amen. And so let's, let's get more people to sit around the table, and, and, and let's set up more tables. Let's make that necessary for us to have to set up more tables so more people can gather around the table together. Amen? And it comes to the way we treat each other, the way that we love each other, the way we adopt no strangers policy. Because we don't know what these people walked in here with. How are we ever going to reach these cities if we don't take this stance of being for these cities and for all people? And if we don't get uncomfortable so someone else feels welcome. We don't know what they walked in here with. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know what may be happening or what has happened, but we can impact and influence how they walk out feeling. We can influence their openness to the gospel. We can influence and make sure everyone is seen and knows and feels value. I want to read us one more scripture and then we'll pray and we'll dismiss to live this thing out. Over in 1 John chapter 4 verse 19 says this we love because what he first loved us he loved first he set the tone he set the table for us he loved us first and if anyone says i love god and hates his brother he's a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love god whom he has not seen we can see each other How can we as representatives of Christ say, well, I love God, but then we look around the room. Are we loving each other 
because we can see each other, but we, we haven't seen God. We, we, we've seen the effects of God moving. We've experienced him, but with our natural eyes, we haven't seen God. We've seen him manifest through people in ways, but we haven't with our own eyes seen God. But yet we still declare our love for him, our trust in him. And if we say that out of one side of our mouth, but then we just want to isolate and sit at a consumer-driven restaurant table and have that mentality, how can those things, two things coexist? I'll be honest with you, they can't. Because the love of God changes my heart and changes the way I see other people, changes the way I treat them. And so may the love of God today influence our hearts. And may through this series and the word of God that we've read, may it influence our hearts in such a way that it changes us. And so that's your challenge for today. Dive into that. Lean into that. Every person in this room, before you leave, find one person you don't know and memorize their name. Commit it to memory. Commit to pray for them. Ask them maybe how they found BCC. How long have they been here? You know, Maybe you'll find out they've been here for a really, really long time. Maybe you'll find out this was their first time here. Maybe they're newer. You don't have to get into all their whole life story. But just let them know I see you. And I love you with the love of God because that's how God loved me. He saw me. He called me. He called me. He pointed to me. He called me by name. He said, I see you. I see you hiding in all your shame. I see you hiding up there trying to not be noticed. I see you up there with all of this guilt you may be wrestling with and struggling with. I see you up there with all of your addictions and your chains and all of this stuff the enemy wants to keep you separated from everyone else or thinking higher of yourself than you should and keep you wrapped up in sin. I see you up there and guess what? I'm coming to you today. Will you come down to me because I want to go to you. I want to meet you where you're at. I want to love you and see you right where you're at and then watch what the power of God does in someone's heart. When the body of Christ begins to be ambassadors, begins to be representatives who sees people where they're at because he first saw and loved us.